Now listening to the Nick's State of Mind podcast, presented by Elite Sports Radio. And now, your hosts, Chip Murphy and Matt Castillo. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Nick's State of Mind podcast with Chip Murphy. I'm Matt Castillo. Now, we're a little bit later in the week recording. Usually we get this done Monday or, or Tuesday night, but um, due to the what was left over of Hurricane Irma affected my area a little bit now. I was one of the lucky ones up here as we just got a lot of rain and, and wind, so that kind of would affect the, the sound quality of the podcast. We didn't get any major outbreaks like some of the areas that were actually not too far from me, about 20 minutes away. There was power outages and uh, trees that were falling down from the hurricane-force winds, so i um, fortunate that we didn't have to deal with that in this area and also just the people that have, especially in Florida and in like the Caribbeans that uh, Irma just did, uh, it did a number, a lot of damage and our thoughts and prayers are with the people that were impacted through Irma and we're hoping that it's a, it's a fast recovery, a cleanup and, and people get their powers back on. Um, it was a massive, massive storm that definitely caused a lot of chaos. So, again, our, our thoughts and prayers are with people who were affected by Irma. And um, But I'm glad that I had the opportunity this week because earlier it didn't look like we were going to get a podcast in. So, very glad to be here and being able to do this. And what we're going to start the show off with is the news that the NBA each year, something that we've, we've seen, I believe it started with the NFL, but each season – you have the top 100 player list, um, and the NBA has joined on this and have done this the last few years, and Carmelo Anthony's name just came up for the list. Um, he is ranked 64th in the league, and, and Chip, when you hear that Carmelo Anthony is ranked 64th in the league, what was your reaction when you, when you heard that news? Well, I was shocked that he fell 33 spots from last year, and, uh, you know, I didn't think that disrespect could get any stronger from the mainstream media for Carmelo Anthony, but, you know, it it just shows what kind of a joke ESPN has become because they're just using the biggest sports media company in the world, and they become a clickbait site. You know, it's really a joke, and, you know, they have no respect for Carmelo. They never have, but now they're using that as a way to get people to talk about their stupid ranking system. Like, oh, look what we did to Carmelo. We have, you know, we have Lonzo Ball, a guy who's never played a second of an NBA game before, ranked ahead of Carmelo. We think Lonzo's going to be better than Carmelo next year. Uh, we have Danny Green from the Spurs mm. ahead of Carmelo. I mean, come on, Robert Covington. Jeez, man, like some of these names, it's just ridiculous. But yeah, 64, like seriously, 64. He's a, I, I've been as hard on Melo as anybody has, but well, not as anybody. Uh, there's been some pretty brutal critics, but he is a top, uh, 
top 35 player. Mm-hmm. I think he's no longer a top 20, top 25 player, but yeah. I think he's in the top 35. But to say he's in the top, to say he's 64, it's just so ridiculous. And uh, it exposes a serious flaw in this uh, system that they're using to rank the players. It, it, to me, when I heard this number, uh, as much as I know, and we talked about it, that Carmelo Anthony has significantly dropped in, in, talent-wise, as we we talked about his game in the past. But with that being said, there is no way on God's green earth that Carmelo Anthony should be listed 64th in the league. Uh, like you said, he's no longer a top 20, top 25. I, I think if anything... If he dropped back out of the 30s, he should be at least in the top 50 because regardless of him declining in other areas, he's still a prolific scorer in this league. And I think it's just highly disrespectful to put somebody like Carmelo Anthony at 64. And I'm looking at some of these guys that are ahead of him. I mean, Lonzo Ball is ranked 63rd. The man hasn't even played a minute in the NBA yet. Don't get me wrong. I shared how I feel about Lonzo Ball. I think he could be the next Jason Kidd. But the point is, he has not played in the league yet. And you're putting him ahead of Carmelo Anthony. Uh, It's just Eric Gordon, Avery Bradley. You're going to tell me, Danny Green, as you mentioned, those guys are better than Carmelo Anthony? I mean, Harrison Barnes is 58. There is no way Harrison Barnes is better than Carmelo Anthony. Harrison Barnes is not a bad player, but there's no way that 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 should ever happen. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon from Milwaukee, Robert Covington at 55. I just don't understand how this this list came about. And I mean, Danilio Gallinari, who's 54th on the list. Carmelo Anthony's better than him too. Gallinari's a great player, but he's injury prone. I know Carmelo Anthony's had injury problems as well, but that is just a a huge drop-off. And as I'm looking at this article that's on ESPN, it says for Carmelo Anthony that he is tied for the longest drop-off. As you mentioned, Tripp, he was 33 spots below last uh, season's ranking. And it also says that... He can be only the only players in NBA history to average at least 20 points per game in each of their first 15 seasons are Michael Jordan and Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Carmelo Anthony can join that list this season. Those are two Hall of Fame guys that Carmelo Anthony could be joining in the discussion with, and you're putting him 64th on the list. It don't make any sense to me. Here, here's another thing, even if you look at, at the other list where it has, I think it is, let's take a look so I can give you guys the right list number. Um, 31 through 50, uh, Carmelo Anthony's obviously on the 51 through 76, but 31 through 50, I believe 31 on that list is Joel Embiid. Don't get me wrong, Embiid is an yeah, unbelievable talented player, and, and when he's on the floor, he's certainly worthy of that spot, but in he's three years, the man has played two months. 32. 32? And in yeah, three years, he's played two months. And, and you put I, – I, I don't get it. And, again, I don't mean to knock on Embiid because, I, like I said, he's an amazing player, but he hasn't been on the floor. 
I think this is just total disrespect for Carmelo. Well, keep in mind, though, keep, not that I agree that he's better than Carmelo, but keep in mind they are projecting who will be better next year. Okay. So that's why with the MB thing. Okay. But not that I think, like, that's what they're, that's the whole disrespect towards Carmelo thing. I mean, they're projecting a huge decline for Carmelo next year, obviously. I mean, uh, I and think they're saying, uh, I mean, the whole Embiid thing, I, like you mentioned, going off of 30 games to say he's already this incredible, like they're putting him ahead of guys like Kemba Walker and mm. Isaiah Thomas. I mm. mean, it's 30 games. <laughs> it's ridiculous, it, and I, I, if they're thinking this much of a drop off is going to happen for Kamala Anthony, I don't believe it. Um, and I've already said I think Kamala Anthony's going to have a strong year this year. I think part of it, as I mentioned before, is that he's looking to get traded. So the best way to increase your trade value is playing at a high level. So I expect Kamala Anthony to have a, a much better season than he's had the past two years. But, Chip, I want to ask you, do you think Carmelo Anthony, who wasn't happy with his rankings last year, there, you know, as he was not in the top 20, um, but do you think being 64th provides Carmelo Anthony with even more motivation to prove whoever thinks he's going to be here wrong? Well, it looks like it already has. I mean, he tweeted it out, Instagrammed it out. I mean, he wrote the can't make sense out of no sense. A certain darkness is needed to be with the stars. And then he tweeted at ESPN, don't be so blatant with the disrespect. Hashtag line him up. So he noticed it right away. And this is the kind of thing that motivates great NBA players. I mean, Dwayne Wade was left off the top 100 list. And uh, he noticed it. Mm-hmm. So uh, he tweeted about it too. So... I mean, yeah, guys are motivated by stuff like this. Um, I'm glad that he pointed it out. I mean, look, he's almost certainly not going to be a Knicks next year to mm-hmm. use this as, but I think he will use it. Yeah, I think he was already motivated next year anyway based on all the crap talking about him pretty much the past two seasons. But, uh, yeah, this is definitely something that's going to motivate him. I mean, remember when Kobe first started to drop and ESPN's rankings, he would call out ESPN, like, after big games. He would say, like, pretty good for the so-and-so ranked player in the NBA or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a thing that great players, great players know it when, the, as much as great players uh, like to act like they don't care about what the media says or anything, when they're criticized by the media, then they act like it's the most important thing in the world. It's weird. Yeah, and looking ahead... Um, just if your fans are interested in this, on Thursday, they are releasing the players 11 through 30. And then on Friday is the top 10. Um, and really quick, Chip, if you had a guess, who do you think they're going to put as the league's best player? I know that it comes out to Friday, but who, who would you think would be the number one player in the NBA? So far, mm-hmm. I think Kevin Durant is going to be put as the best player. Because, like I said, it's a prediction for the season. And Kevin Durant is the favorite for the MVP after the way he played in the finals. You know, he outplayed LeBron in the finals. And I don't know if the last time that happened was Nowitzki in Dallas. So 
Uh, I just think, judging by the way this thing's gone, I mentioned ESPN being clickbait earlier, too. They want, uh, they obviously want a lot of eyeballs on this thing. Another way to get a lot of eyeballs on this is to say LeBron's not going to be the best player next year. Kevin mm-hmm. Durant's going to take that throne. So I, I see Kevin Durant being named the number one player in this ranking. I agree with you. I, I was thinking LeBron James because to me, LeBron James is the best player in the league. But uh, that, that's the first thing I thought about as well because of the way Durant played in the finals. Um, you know, some people immediately right after the finals was putting Kevin Durant ahead of LeBron James as the best player in the league now. And it's that huge overturn. It's about to be given to Kevin Durant finally after all these years. Um, me personally, don't think that's exactly the case quite yet. I think Durant will eventually actually truly be the number one player in the league. Um, but again, that's just me. Don't think he is. But I think for this list, like you said, they're trying to get people to talk about it. So the best way to do that is by making some kind of move like that, putting LeBron James lower on the list, putting Kevin Durant up. So, Chip, I I agree with you. I think that's absolutely going to happen. This list will have Kevin Durant as the number one pick or or the number one player in the league. So it'll be interesting to see. Again, that comes out Friday. And they're also doing a – uh, another list right here that has the all-time rank for the history's best 100 best players in the game. That's a list that you, you can't win it. I mean, everybody's going to have a different um, you know, top guy or, or who should be on the list, who shouldn't be on the list. But that would be a pretty interesting one to take a look at uh, in the future as well. So with that being said, though, we are going to wrap up this segment. And when we come back, one former Nick who's currently playing in China right now says that he's working on an NBA comeback. So we'll get into that in just a moment. Hello, everybody. Mac is still the co-host of the Nick State of Mind podcast and contributor to Elite Sports New York. You can follow me at Twitter at MattyDiesel15 to get my latest articles, videos, and podcasts. Make sure to follow Elite Sports New York's Twitter as well at Elite Sports NY and the rest of Elite Sports New York's social media pages to stay up to date to all the New York sport news. Hi everybody and welcome back to the Knicks State of Mind podcast. Now, one of the former New York Knicks, you might remember him by the name of Stefan Marbury. In 2009, when his NBA career fizzled out, he went to China. Now, while he went to China, he became a star. He won three championships overseas, uh, MVP awards, and I mean, he became so huge in China that they built a statue of him out at one of the teams that he played for outside the stadium. He's, he was kind of like the Michael Jordan of Chicago for that team in China. Um, he's had, he's, he's kind of re-brought up his career, you know, somebody that just fizzled out, didn't look like he was going to have any future in basketball again. And then went to China and became larger than life once again. Um, at 40 years old, he just announced that this will be his last season in China. And at the end of the season, which I believe if they make it through the playoffs and all that, uh, he can be signed by February. He wants to make an NBA comeback. Again, at 40 years old, and that would have to be in by around February that uh, he would be able to sign with the team. And the odds are against him. But, Chip, do you think that at 40 years old, Stephen Marbury has any chance of 
being signed by an NBA team? Uh, no, he doesn't. Um, he doesn't have any chance to be signed. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody kind of gave him a shot. Uh, you know, Baron Davis got invited to a, uh, a G League team uh, a couple years ago, I think it was, or they call them G League teams now. Mm-hmm. It was a D League team then. But uh, that was out of respect. The guy clearly couldn't play on an NBA roster anymore. He was too old. Uh, Stephon Marbury's 40 years old, like she said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he's too old to play against NBA competition. And he's, uh, he's 40 years old, and he hasn't played against NBA competition since 2009. You know, he's been playing in a league for years where the defense is minimal, and he's been the best player on the court most of the time. And he's, quite frankly, uh, uh, do we have any reason to believe that his attitude will have changed at all? <laughs> like, he isn't going to be the Stefan Marbury of old who expects to be the man anyway. I mean, I don't think we have any reason to believe that he changed. So, yeah, I, I would be shocked that just completely be shocked if we ever see Stefan Marbury on an NBA court ever again. And I, I know we have uh, we were looking at the numbers for Stefan Marbury. I know you have a, the numbers pulled up in, in front of you, and they're impressive. Um, really impressive numbers that he's putting up, even at this this old age. Uh, do you think though? It, it's I know you say you don't see him making a return to the NBA, but. Do you think somebody will at least consider it? Uh, looking at his numbers that are pretty impressive, you know. You, yes, it's not the NBA. I get that, but he's still playing at a high level overseas. You think uh, the NBA would at least look at that and, and consider giving him a chance? Yeah, it's not the NBA, and he's putting up big numbers. He, like you mentioned, fifteen, sixteen season. He shot 48% from the field, 38% on threes, the average 19.7 a game and 5.6 assists. But this is not the NBA, it's China. And Randolph Morris led uh, Marbury's team in points mm-hmm. with 25 per game and averaged 10 rebounds and made 50% of his shots. So, no, it is far from the NBA. Yeah. And the NBA knows that. And look, man, if Jimmer Fredette, who we were talking about before we came back on here, if he can't get a job in the NBA and he's killing it out there like he is, I don't see Stephon Marbury being able to get a job just based off name alone. Yeah. And, and I know this is uh, a Stephen Marbury segment, but I hear Jimmer Fredette, that's my boy. He got robbed. Yeah. He got the short end of the stick. Yeah. I, anytime somebody says Jim or if it's brought up, I'm going on this little rant that he got the short end of the stick. That an NBA team should give him a chance, especially the Knicks, because I hear it all the time that he can't play defense. Well, nobody on that team plays defense anyway, so what the heck's the point? And when you can shoot the basketball like him, why do you need defense? Ran over. But I'm just saying, we could still sign Jimmer for debt and give him a real chance. That would be nice. Um, well, I mean, we gave Sasha Vujicic a chance, and that that come on. So we can't give Jimmer? Come on. 
But, you know, you make a great point. You know, I think Jimmer is scoring about 39 points a game uh, last season. Um, Marshawn Brooks, a former uh, New Jersey net, or were they Brooklyn even when he was playing? I'm not even sure. Um, I but, think it was Brooklyn. Yeah, it might have been the start uh, of Brooklyn when he was on the roster, and he had a little cup of coffee in the league. He was second in China for point scoring. So, yeah, you make a great point that – uh, a lot of these guys that come over there, they're putting up ridiculous video game type numbers. Now, I, I will say this. I think Stephen Marbury does have a chance to play in the United States, again, basketball um, for a, a, an organization. It's not in the NBA, though. Do you know where it is, Chip? It's in Ice Cube's Big Three League. I w- yes, that's a good call. I mean, I can it's see it. well there. And, you know, the players, I don't know how much they're making, but it's probably a nice little profit for them. Um, and, and by the way, I don't know if our, our listeners uh, watched the Big Three, but I, I thought it was pretty entertaining. I watched it all season. I liked it, and I think it's going to continue to grow. Um, it's a great league just because there's no basketball during the summer. It's really just dominated by baseball, so it gives it another sport one night a week. Um, and, you know, look, I, I, I don't think – Anybody is going to give a 40-year-old a shot. doesn't make sense to. Um, you were just talking about uh, Baron Davis, and he's still trying to get back into the league. I mean, he's tweeting out, does anybody need a veteran? Because I'm ready to hoop. That, that, that was a tweet a couple of days ago. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, really? so, <laughs> yeah, so as pitiful as it is, he's still trying to hoop. And, and um, my advice to him and Stephen Marbury is you can come play here again in america it's just gonna be for ice cubes big three and you know what there's a few teams uh that could use some point guards that are already established i'll tell you one uh the ball hogs that were in the big three uh with uh white mamba brian scalabrini that team had no point guards and that's one reason why they struggle so bad they got their butts whooped each week it basically um, it was that the one win I think they had was a comeback win. And one of their biggest problems is they didn't have a point guard. So you give Stephen Marbury a call, and I'm sure he'll come out and play at a high level in three-on-three competition. We're seeing Mike Bivy play well in it and uh, Chauncey Billups. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. I don't see Stephen Marbury getting a, a chance in the NBA again. Um, the big three – could be it you know there's also the basketball tournament that's on maybe he can join up a squad there but there, there's no such thing as the nba for stephen marbury he, he's dreaming a little bit um but we're going to wrap up this segment and when we come back we'll be doing our final ultimate team pick and this is going to be the six man pick can be any player that has put on a nick uniform so our picks are coming in just a moment Hi, everybody. This is Chip Murphy, co-host of the Knicks State of Mind podcast and boss of all New York Knicks content at EliteSportsNY.com. To follow my work, you can find me on Twitter at at Chipper Murphy. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Knicks State of Mind podcast. Now, it is the final week of this six-week-long segment that we have done, uh, the Knicks Ultimate Team. So... We will be picking our six-man. So once again, it could be anybody, any position that has put on the Nick jersey can be picked here. If you want to see 
who we had picked for each of our positions, the point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, and center. There's a graphic that's updated each week on our Twitter page at NYKSOM Podcast. And you can check that out and see who Chip has picked and compared it to my team. And again, we want to keep encouraging the listeners to send us your ultimate team. Um, and, and what we want to do with this at the end is when we finally have our full ultimate team roster put together, um, we want to see which team do you agree with most, Chip or my team. So uh, that graphic, when we make this pick, will be finally officially updated, ready to go um, probably by tomorrow on the Twitter page. So you guys can start looking at that and, once again, just keep encouraging you to tell us who you would think and what team do you agree with. But with that being said, Chip, who did you take as your sixth man? I took the greatest sixth man of all time, the great Jamal Crawford. Uh, We were going through this before we came back on here. Uh, I was looking for this stat, and I think it's a great one. only uh, one, two, three, four, only six Knicks in history have scored 50 points in a single game. Mm-hmm. Wow. And Jamal Crawford is one of them. Yep. The, other, the others are Carmelo Anthony, Alan Houston, Patrick Ewing, Bernard King, and Willis Reed. Wow. He's in pretty good company. So, uh, I mean, and he, he was the last guy score 50 points in a game other than Carmelo Anthony in 2007. Mm-hmm. He scored 52 points against the Heat. Uh, he made eight threes. He shot 20 of 30. I mean, <laughs> from the field, uh, crazy good game. But it's just a shame. Like when we were talking before the show, it's a shame that he had uh, his uh, next year on such bad teams. But, you know, he played five seasons in New York, averaged 17.6 points a game, uh, 40.7% uh, 40. shooting, 35% threes. Good free throw shooter, obviously, always was 84% uh, in New York. But, yeah, he, look, Jamal was, when we were talking about him before, you pointed out the best thing about him. He was always entertaining. Even mm-hmm. when we stunk, maybe the worst part about the Knicks the past few years has been not only have they been bad, but they haven't even been entertaining. Even when we were bad, Jamal Crawford was always entertaining. Yep. He was always fun to watch. The Knicks, uh, when Porzingis hasn't been on the court, the Knicks have not been entertaining the yep. past two years. And we always had Jamal Crawford to watch, and he was just something to look forward to. It was really cool, and it was He'll always be one of my favorite Knicks. He's just great. He was a great, fun player to watch. And I know he's more remembered for his time uh, with the Clippers now because they were such better teams. But I'll remember him as a Knicks. Yeah. And kind of before I make my pick, kind of touch off from what you said, Jamal Crawford is, a, I think, a great pick for this this spot. Um you know, one thing that he does so well, and I'm pretty sure he leads all of NBA with a four-point play. You know, always able to draw a foul, still getting yeah, his three-point yeah. shot off, somehow making it. And then, obviously, as you mentioned, a, a great free-throw shooter. Um, now, my favorite aspect of, of uh, Crawford's game was 
back in the day. And even though we kind of talked about this off the show, um, he he might be pushing 40, but he doesn't look like it. He looks like he he did when he put on a Nick uniform uh, 13, 14 years ago. Um, So he's somebody who looks like he never ages at all. Um, Looks like he has plenty of basketball still left in the tank. But back in the day when he would be on a fast break, that crossover that he did in transition, putting it behind his legs twice or behind his back twice, and then somehow getting the layup, was probably one of the sickest handlings I've seen. Now, now we've seen guys like Stephen Curry and um, Kyrie Irving that that blow your mind with the pretty dribbling that they can do. But you know, back back then, that was my favorite move to watch. Anytime he would do it, it would just make you kind of you know, if you were able to rewind. On the television, you did, and it's something I still even check out on YouTube to this day because it was just so pretty. Uh, that that behind the back crossover that he just—I mean, it was just beautiful. I mean, I remember as a AAU player myself, um, I did the move about maybe one time successfully on the playground. I've always wanted to attempt it in the game, but I never did because I was afraid that if I screwed up, then my coach put me on the bench, and I didn't want to sit on the bench, so I, I didn't have the courage to break out that kind of move that he, he did. But that was that was probably my favorite um, to watch Crawford do because he really did make people look foolish when when he pulled out that move. It was so pretty. And if uh, some of the fans haven't seen it, just go to YouTube and uh, type in Jamal Crawford's behind-the-back crossover and just see how quickly and, and how pretty that move was. It, it's, it was awesome to watch. Um, but with that being said now, my pick is somebody that I think, especially fans that watch this team in the 90s, everybody loves this guy, John Starks. Um, to me, John Starks was that blue-collar guy that, again, as I talked about it, the guys I kind of try to pick on my show or for my team, I've said I want these guys that are just grinders that go out there and, and compete and play with you know, just they, – they were fearless on the floor. And I think that was John Starks. I mean, anybody that can dunk on Michael Jordan is all right by me. Um, and, and he was able to do that. And um, I, I hear some excuses from the Jordan fans that it wasn't a true dunk over him. Uh, you know, Jordan was a little <laughs> out of place. I've heard it all. No, he got dunked on. The great Michael Jordan got dunked on by John Starks. And for his career numbers, you know, they're solid. There's nothing that really jumps out and wows you. This guy might not be a Hall of Famer or, you know, he won't be a Hall of Famer um, with his numbers. He averaged 12.5 points a game, uh, 2.5 rebounds, and 3.6 assists. But there was so much that was done by John Starks um, that doesn't show up in the box score. Um, He was a, a six-man for the Knicks, uh, especially after Allen Houston got traded to the Knicks. And that year, the first year that Allen Houston was brought over, that's when he won the six-man of the year award in 1997. Uh, he was an all-star in 1994, and he was a member of the all-defensive second team in 1993. So again, it, it's not necessarily numbers that blow you away. But it's the things that he did on the court, the little things that are so important. And I think every kind of team, and if you look, teams that are successful have a player like John Starks. 
um, and, and I'm not comparing the game similar, but somebody like Draymond Green. Uh, Golden State's very successful with him. Why? Because Draymond Green is able to do a lot of the little things. And I know Draymond starts, but I'm just saying, and somebody like that, I'm trying to think of players that you can kind of compare it to that uh, are not necessarily putting up the 20 points per game. Um, they have their hands in everything. Uh, and that that's why I went ahead and gave John Starks this pick. Uh, John Starks was another guy that um, my mom's a big fan of. So I think one of my first Nick jerseys was a John Starks jersey. She made sure that I had one. Um, you know, um, as an infant, she would tell me that the one thing that would keep me quiet at night is when she would put the replay of the Nick game on three or four o'clock in the morning. And she said I would just watch it fascinated. And her favorite player on the Knicks was John Starks. So she said, I absolutely have to get you a John Starks jersey. And she told me the day that she got the jersey, she even got a ticket because she parked in a spot that she couldn't, something like that. And she had to go get me this John Starks jersey. So for me, um, I was kind of brought up at least knowing who he was. Um, and that that's why I picked him here. And I was going to ask you, Chip, because this was a, a wide open spot right here we could pick anybody that's ever put uh a nick uniform on were there any other guys that you considered for this this uh this spot keeping it in the theme of 90 Knicks, i also thought about uh one of those uh blue collar guys as you discussed it and who embodies that more than the great charles oakley uh The reason, as we discussed earlier, the reason I didn't go with Oak is because he was never a bench player. Mm -hmm. When he was with the Knicks, uh, he was always a starter. Uh, Four times, I think it was four times I looked it up, he uh, started and played in all the 82 games that he was a Knicks. So, I mean, that's remarkable consistency. And he was with the Knicks for 10 seasons. Mm -hmm. So, uh, He's with the Knicks for 10 years, averaged a double-double. They were in the playoffs every single year that he was there, by the way. So uh, I'm not going to say, like, oh, he, they, they stunk since he left, but it, it's, it does suck that, you know, the, the year they went to the finals was the year that he was traded, but he was traded for Mark Candy, who mm. uh, was a huge part of them getting to the finals to uh, play the Spurs. But, um, yeah, he was a huge part. He was a big, Patrick Ewing even has said multiple times that he really helped out, uh, Patrick's development. And Jeff Van Gundy speaks the world of him. He's all time underrated defender because for some reason he's by the national media, stupidly, he's looked at as like he was just this hired thug with no skill. It's so ridiculous. Watch old clips of Charles Oakley. He, the guy averages nine and a half rebounds per game for his career. You can't average those kinds of numbers if you have no talent. You're just like a, a goon on the mm-hmm. court. The guy had a lot of skill. He's a legit player. And, and some guys I thought about, but again, I, I look like you, Chip. I thought about guys that were truly six men. And I know, again, we said we could pick anybody. So I, I considered mm-hmm. somebody who I didn't pick as a shooting guard, uh, Earl DePearl Monroe. But, I mean, he's he's more of a, a starter. So since I didn't pick yeah, him for that, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah I, th- I just I felt like 
going with a true six man and John Starks. And, and I just looked it up just to make um, sure because I almost said it was in the Eastern Conference Finals, but I wasn't sure that dunk on Michael Jordan was in Game Two of the '93 Eastern Conference Finals. So I just saw that and just said, "Oh, I might as well share that." Um, uh, somebody else you just mentioned, uh, Marcus Camby. I thought about him as well, and and Charles Oakley. But you know, I think when it's all said and done, I think my sixth man is John Starks. Um, you know, I know we talked about it when we were picking shooting guards. Uh, before we came on a few weeks ago, we were talking about different guys, Earl the Pearl, Alan Houston, and we, we mentioned John Starks, but he wasn't a, a starter. I think he was better off as a six-man role, um, and I think he was just a big part of the culture of that Nick team in the 90s. And another thing I didn't mention about him was that he was undrafted. Um, so... Those kind of players that come in and have the success that he did always have that chip on your, uh, their shoulder, and that's the way he played. He played like his hair was on fire, and it was going to be his last game in the NBA because you know guys that are undrafted, they, they have to fight for their NBA lives, and he's somebody that did and made a pretty successful career for himself. I still think John Starks has evolved in the organization. I, you know, I know he's always there for events, and he's seen at the yeah, Nick he games is. so he, he's still a very big part of the, the Knicks culture and somebody I think that many Nick fans adore but with that being said we are going to wrap up the show for today and we'll be back next week for another episode of the Nick State of Mind podcast